0: That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Dr. Christy Overstreet. She is a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, speaker, and consultant who works with individuals to strengthen their relationship with themselves and others. She specializes in the LGBTQIA plus health care with an emphasis on transgender care. With over 14 years of clinical experience, she has developed best practices for transgender health care. Her mission is to educate every behavioral and healthcare worker to provide dignity care for the LGBTQIA plus community. Dr. Christie's written three books on improving relationships, given a TEDx talk on transgender healthcare, and is a sought-after expert. She's the creator of the Transgender Healthcare Dignity Model, which we're going to be touching on today. It's a training and certification program that teaches medical, behavioral, and wellness providers how to care for their patients with dignity. She serves as a national contributor to CNN, Inc., Forbes, Healthline, The Washington Post, and various other media. She holds her PhD in clinical sexology and a Master of Arts in Professional Counseling it's such a privilege to have her here today to touch on such an important topic. So with that, Dr. Christie, I want to welcome you to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Saul, for having me. I, I'm excited to be here and chat.
0: Yeah. So it's a new year. We've dealt with a lot of things. And, and so the topic of caring with dignity is, is so important. Uh, so I'm really excited about our, our chat today. But before we dive into the work that you do with the dignity model, tell us a little bit more about you and what lights your Fire with, with healthcare?
1: Well, I am a very passionate person, especially when it comes to people getting their healthcare needs met, because it, so much of our whole self is based on getting our physical, our emotional, our sexual, and every part of ourselves taken care of, and especially when it comes to healthcare. And so, what I started realizing when I first started out a clinician back in 06 is there was a specific area of the community of LGBTQIA plus clients that were trying to get their healthcare needs in, for example, the facility I was working at, and they were running into many barriers. And most of the time it came from providers and healthcare workers, not knowing um, maybe how to use the right name or how to work with that individual best. And at that time, I started realizing if we as providers don't do something about this, these individuals are not going to get the care that they need. So it's at that time when I started seeing that as providers, we really could use education competencies and making sure that we meet these individuals where they're at. So that's what drives me and that I'm passionate about is really arming providers so that they can deliver this care that they love doing.
0: That's, that's so great. And you're right. There's a lot of confusion, you know, uh, and how do we address folks and, and how do we really provide medicine in the best way without letting that get in the way? You know, um, so talk to us a little bit about how you're adding value to the ecosystem through your healthcare, the dignity model.
1: Sure. Well, what I find, even as a provider myself, we fear what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned from so many providers, whether it's behavioral health, physical therapists, physicians anyone in the healthcare field is a lot of times when they go to, to work with a patient, especially in the LGBTQIA plus community, that they don't want to say something so they avoid it, or they don't want to say the wrong thing, or they don't right. want to come off wrong, or they don't want to accidentally insult somebody. So they just kind of close off and back away because they fear, you know, saying the wrong thing. And that's a big hindrance for these individuals. And so what I started realizing is we got to have these conversations. We have to educate and we have to bring awareness. And so I started back then in 06 doing some Trainings in my facility on how to. Back in the day, we referred to it as sensitivity training, and uh, thank goodness it's evolved over time. But you know, arming providers to feel competent about knowing the basics of LGBTQIA+ care. What are the needs? What to avoid? As as how we interact and work with these patients. And so that's how, through the years, and then my individual work with transgender, non-binary specific individuals, led me to see these competencies and needs. And that's how the dignity model evolved. I knew that we want to give this care and treat individuals in a positive, affirming, dignity way. And developing that model helped me build out those units to arm providers for that care.
0: Love it. You know, and I think it's so great. You saw an opportunity and you said, you know what, there's, there's opportunity here to Mm -hmm. be somebody that can make a difference for, for people and how they access care. And, you know, we, we talk about Access to care and and the different challenges that the challenges that we're used to hearing about, right? Like the t- social determinants of of mm-hmm. health. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at this as, as one of them. And so, talk to us more about it. You know, help us understand this better. I feel like this episode is about understanding. And so, what do you do differently or better than what's available today? What's at the core of of success here?
1: Well, for me, I find that we meet, I say we, meaning us as providers, meet the individual where they're at in growth. means that we meet them in a place of understanding, care, and wanting to do the next right thing. But to do that, we have to look at our own bias, our prejudice, our assumptions that can get in the way. And that's one of the things that I really pride myself on with building the dignity model is looking through kind of what's coming up for you as a provider when you're going to work with a transgender female. Um, Is there any assumptions that you're making? Are you automatically thinking they're going to be there to access, uh, you know, a medical transition for hormonal care. And let's say that you're not feeling competent in doing that. Do you kind of back away and don't bring it up? Or do you find a referral? So looking at assumptions, bias, understanding, and for our own self, noticing that whatever's going on for us, so easily gets on our patients, you know what I mean? So like if we're feeling uncomfortable, we're going to likely cause our patients to feel uncomfortable. And the more that we can show up feeling confident and competent, we're gonna deliver better care. And so breaking down those eight units of the model, you know, we cover basics, social medical transition needs, bias, um, what the individual's fears are in the healthcare system, what type of discrimination they're facing and how we can show up and and give that best care. And doing that in a way with the model is having the on-demand training, which is what I really enjoy because as providers, like, we never know, are we going to get time at two o'clock in the morning? It's not like we can go attend a training at you know, nine o'clock on a Monday. Right. And so that's what I really wanted to make available for all providers is the ability to access an on-demand training around the provider's time to be able to stop it, pause it, send me questions and really get involved and make it their own. And that's what I think is most different as well as putting trans- transgender and non-binary patients at the center of care. So much of the care that I teach in the model, I learned by their journey. I'm the one Mm -hmm. that was fortunate to get to walk side by side with and still to today with transgender non-binary patients to understand what are their barriers? What are their stories? What are they bumping against when they go see a provider? And we got medicine, of course, but then also when they go, let's just say, they go to physical therapy. How do they handle that? Or they go to the pharmacy. How do they handle that? And they go into a hospital and ER situation. What barriers are they facing? So by listening to those, helping those individuals walk through that, really the basis of how the Dignity model was formed and created.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So, you know, and so it's it, through experience, being with them you know, you're able to, to find out more and, and, and empathize. And it is about empathy and being able to understand the challenges that this community is faced with. And I guess, is it about not being afraid to ask? Like, t- tell us a little bit more, right? If, if somebody was okay. to walk away from this podcast interview with, say, a pearl of wisdom to help better provide care to this community, what, what, would you, what would you say to them?
1: I would say that the best thing you can do is ask your patient, how can I help you better? How can I better mm-hmm. serve you? And putting it that way helps that patient like, oh, wait a minute, this provider is showing up asking me, what do I need? Mm. And it's this open door that is the safe space to speak up versus the provider telling the individual what they need to do how they yeah. need to conduct themselves or what they don't need to be doing. And I think as providers, it can be scary to ask such an open question because yes. it's not kind of following down that treatment planning, you know, totally. this, this, this this, or the criteria for this or that. And so that can be scary. And I know so many providers are on a time crunch. You know, you're seeing so many patients, you're moving through the system, you've got demands with EMRs and everything going on. So just opening that question up by saying, what can I do? How can I better serve you? That patient, if they're feeling comfortable with you, they're going to tell you every Everything you need to know, and if you've got a concern about something in relating to who they are, and you want to know, doing a way that's professional and caring and affirming, and not in a way that's going to shut them down or avoid answering some of the questions.
0: Mm. You know, and um, as you mentioned that, it just. I think about it, you know, Dr. Christie, it's just like one of those things where you're like, well, wouldn't this make sense for all patients? <laughs> like,
1: yes, <laughs> I mean,
0: we're all different, you know? And, and so I love that you're, that you led with that tip and yes, let's apply that to the LGBTQI plus community. Yes, Why don't yeah. why not all all your patients? I,
1: you're, you're spot on solid. That. Let me give you a little example and some different. Yeah. the differences to say somebody so let's say you have a patient, you know, walking down the hallway, going into a room or going to another room, for an example, whatever's mm-hmm. going on. And let's say a nurse or a provider walks by and it's, let's just say, to make it easy, let's just say a transgender male, someone who was assigned female at birth, but sees them, senses themselves as a guy. Yep. If that nurse walks by and that physician's walking by and that nurse kind of rolls her eyes or makes a, a little noise when that person's walking by. That individual can internalize that and say, oh, is that about me? Was that about me? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, because they're more aware of what's going on yeah. around there, where maybe that nurse was frustrated by somebody else, or that um, she's upset something else is going on, it might not have anything to do with that patient. But that patient, just because of all the discrimination and barriers and stigma they're already facing in healthcare, really quickly assumes that is about them. Yeah. So that's how even some of those nonverbals can really affect patients without realizing it. Now, a cisgender woman, I'm a cisgender woman, I was assigned a female at birth, and I've always identified as a female. So If I'm walking down the hallway and I see a nurse roll their eyes or make a call for sound, I don't know that I'm automatically going to assume that it's me because I don't face that type of stigma and barriers just to say that a transgender woman would. So you're right, Sal, that we need to apply this to everyone. However, when it comes to LGBTQIA+, specifically transgender non-binary patients, Mm. there's this whole level of stigma that they deal with in that healthcare setting and almost having to prove who they are because there's this... They've, they've run into experiences where other providers have doubted that they're real or that they're not a real woman or a real man mm. and how they're being seen. And that's what comes up in that relationship between wow. provider and patient.
0: Wow. You know, I I never even thought about that. And sort of it just becomes like this place where you have to justify yourself. And that's not what you're there for.
1: Yeah. You know, I go, you know, to get my health care needs met. And my healthcare needs get met, right? I have, yeah. you know, a lot of yeah. privileges as a cisgender woman going into that, but if you take a transgender woman, she's going, let's just say, to go get, you know, or check if it's diabetes she may be dealing with or blood pressure issues, she, you know, can face that provider going, oh, well, um, is this really an issue for you? What's happening with your HRT, of course, is there a counteraction to what's happened with the other medication, but then also is mm-hmm. why don't you go off the HRT because it's causing, you know, possible, you know, issues with other areas. So she's facing all these different things that I wouldn't, wouldn't have to face, and it becomes a really big setback to care. And so, as I'm showing up for my visit, I'm not having all this other stuff running through my head where she may be having to be valid in herself or worrying about using the wrong name or wrong pronoun or, you know, any other type of nonverbal that maybe come up from another provider or maybe even someone in the healthcare setting. It might be another patient in the lobby that that person might be dealing with. But it comes up in all these ways that a lot of times we don't realize if we're not a part of that community.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And I'm glad we're bringing awareness to that on on today's episode. How would you say your approach has improved outcomes for this community?
1: Well, the biggest part is educating hundreds and hundreds of providers so far. So they're going out and spreading that awareness and advocacy. We started the Dignity Model Certification Program back in 2017 to certify people as Dignity Model Certified Providers. And with the hundreds that we have trained, they've gone out and taken care of patients and given that dignity care in the medical and behavioral health field. And that shows me that there are more people getting positively affected in Mm -hmm. that way. Um, And the other thing that's been really great about it is back in 2014, I started doing free uh, support groups for people exploring their gender identity and then a separate support group for parent, partner, family, friends of transgender loved ones. So we have it in person for many years. And then in 20, 2016, we moved it online. And so now we have it virtually. And we have people all over the world that attend these free support groups each month. So doing nice. this helps me keep a pulse on the community. What's going on? What are the barriers? What are people facing? And then I'm able to bring it back and continue to progress and increase and improve the training with providers, because along with the Dignity model certification comes monthly consult calls. And so we're on the phone each month, you know, running through cases, talking about scenarios, seeing how we can help providers and facilities do have better care mm-hmm. and having the virtual aspect of it for the actual patients to attend free support group from all over the world. And then having providers spreading the advocacy and education, showing up, feeling confident about their care. We've improved a lot of lives out there because of the passion behind these providers.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So if you're listening to this today and you want to do something about it, reach out, you know, and and find a way that you can make a difference with the program that Dr. Christie has developed. It's on demand. It's uh, up to date. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to do something. And then if you're a patient that wants support, it sounds like there's some great groups here. What excites you most today about the work that you do?
1: Oh, so many things. So as I said, I'm so passionate about you know giving this care and supporting providers and patients. But I think what I'm most excited about is what I'm seeing over the last one to two years is continuing to get more and more is transgender and non-binary patients are empowering themselves just putting up with discrimination and just putting right. up with providers that don't care for them. They're speaking up and saying, no, I'm going to find a provider that's certified or a provider that's got good reviews or a provider that I know is affirming. They don't have to just settle for any type of care. And that's what's happened as well with social media and the internet, right? It takes one right. one bad, that's what I tell healthcare providers and hospital associations, it takes one bad review, one bad PR, one bad Thing that happens with your care for a patient and it's all over the world. Mm-hmm. So as, as executive leadership, as providers, as associations, you know, we can't just stay with the status quo, of just saying, oh, we didn't know. So sorry, that doesn't work anymore. And that's what I'm most excited about is these individuals are now advocating and feeling empowered to get the health care that they all alone deserved. But the rest yes. of the world, we just needed to catch up with them.
0: I love it. That is exciting. And, you know, it's about those critical moments and being ready for those moments before they even happen. Right. And so I feel like a lot of these things happen and oh well, we made a mistake, and now we have to get that training. Well, don't wait until that mistake, right? Prepare yourself to address the needs of this community. Stay ahead of it, and I think great things are ahead. So this has been great. I, I've truly, truly enjoyed our chat today, Doctor Christie. And and so, if you were to leave the listeners with a closing thought, what would that thought be? And then. Where can they learn more and uh, reach out to you?
1: I would want listeners to know that I know you want to do the right thing. You're in the healthcare field because you want to serve, care, or give to others. You have a heart. And so I want you to think of approaching every single patient with that heart of openness and care and treating that individual patient just like you would if it was a family member or loved one being seen for a medical or healthcare reason. Remember, the basis are we're in this to care, love, support, and help individuals feel better. And as long as you keep that at heart and work on that, you can keep adding, learning, and advocating. And people are feel free to get in touch with me on DignityModel.com. That's where I house all the healthcare education, speaking, consulting, and then also on drchrisjeverstreet.com, my website. I'm happy to answer questions. You can send me an email, and I'll help you work through whatever's going on for you so that you feel more confident and competent in providing that care.
0: Love it. What a great opportunity, uh, Dr. Christie. Thank you so much for what you do and for sharing it with us today. It's It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Saul, for having me. And thank you for putting all the education to the world that you do. We appreciate you.
0: Thank you. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more that's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more